0: Hello, I am Moody Bridge, and you are listening to my podcast, My Bipolar Universe, where I dive into original poetry I've written based on my experience with bipolar disorder. So I'm going to be putting a trigger warning on this episode. We're going to be talking about psychosis. Psychosis. So what is psychosis? What does active psychosis mean? Psychosis is a form of abnormal thinking and perceptions where people often lose touch with reality. Two of the main symptoms of psychosis are delusions and hallucinations. These are two symptoms that people often get confused with their meanings. Delusions are defined as false beliefs that conflict with reality. In simpler terms, Delusions are believing something that isn't true with reality. Delusions are often reinforced by the misinterpretation of events. Examples where a person can be delusional is where a person can fear they are being stalked, spied upon, obstructed, poisoned, conspired against, or harassed by other individuals or an organization. Hallucinations Hallucinations have been defined as the perception of a non-existent object or event and sensory experiences that are not caused by stimulation of the relevant sensory organs. In other words, hallucinations involve hearing, seeing, feeling, smelling, or even tasting things that are not real. The most common kinds of hallucinations are auditory and visual. While some people who have auditory hallucinations might hear a voice or a couple of voices, other people hear things such as music, or knocking on walls, and static sounds. Auditory hallucinations could be coherent, or mumbling, or could even be the voice of someone who is dead, or a crowd of people talking to each other over you. Auditory hallucinations show themselves in different ways in different people. I have a diagnosis of bipolar 1 disorder with psychotic features. So I occasionally have psychotic episodes as part of my disorder. A question I had when I was first being diagnosed is if I'm having episodes where I'm hearing voices, seeing or hearing things that aren't there, isn't that to be defined as schizophrenia? What I learned, schizoaffective disorder is where one has schizophrenia and bipolar disorder but the psychotic episodes are not related to a mood disorder. So what, the, what does that mean? It means that bipolar 1 with psychotic features means I have active psychosis during episodes of mania or depression. Whereas schizoaffective, they have psychotic episodes that are not related to their mood, specifically mania or depression okay so now that we've had a little educational piece on psychosis i've written a couple poems about what it feels like to be psychotic when i was first being diagnosed i was having psychotic episodes weekly i had them at very inconvenient times while driving while being at school on my way to work just having all these delusional these delusional episodes and ideas concepts in my head that weren't true as well as hearing voices that could that would tell me things that weren't true. Of course, at the time, I believed them. I don't want to give too much away, so I will dive into my first poem called Voices. When I say I hear voices in my head, some people will get a chill running from their pinky toe all the way up to their neck bone. Did it just get cold in here? I hear voices. And this is my ode to them. Why I would have an ode to voices that tell me the world has gone mad. And when I say the world, I mean my mind. And when I say mad, I mean chaotic. My brain wraps in circles around a hurricane. This is an ode to my voices. Because they don't get enough attention. They don't get a standing ovation when they punch the line in the joke. They look to me to get all the notoriety. Usually they like to rile me up tell me that Satan is coming. It's like a really bad 1970s scary movie where they don't show all of the effects, but you're pretty sure people are disappearing, dissipating, and dying. Usually they like to tell me a story. Tell me a little story about Jesus. A little story about how a little girl named Bridge will never enter the threshold of heaven because I have evil inside me. An ode to my voices. Because when I walk into oncoming traffic because they tell me the ticket to heaven is on the other side, I'm the one who gets the attention. It's selfish, really. They deserve credit where credit is due. An ode to my voices. Because without them, my life would seem as normal as a mood disorder's life could be, but you add in just a splash of psychosis, and my diagnosis just got a lot more fun. There aren't enough dinner plates at the family dinner to fit me and all of my voices. The voices tell me to fuck off. They tell me to draw the knife, hide the gun, don't take my pills, chill, and run. Running away always seems so easy for everyone else. Bob in accounting is getting a divorce, so he's moving to California. When Trisha, the receptionist, came out as gay, she moved far away from her hometown. Bob and Trisha just left. They wanted a fresh start, a new beginning. Everywhere I run, the voices pack their bags and ask me, where to, miss? Where are we going this time? This is an ode to the voices that are hidden in sterile quiet rooms where the nurses hold me down and wait for our friends Zyprexa and Xanax to kick in. This is an ode to all of my claims about the government, my conspiracies about my family, the beliefs that weren't mine but shoved into my brain and trapped behind barred doors. This is an ode to everyone who's been with me when the voices are around. This is an ode to them telling me how wrong they are, what real beliefs look like. And no, there's no death in my imminent future regardless of what the voices tell me to jump off of or drive through. This ode is actually for the people who love me regardless of what my mind constantly playing tricks on me. This is an ode to me telling the voices to fuck off every day. Will they ever truly leave? I don't know. I'm hoping this poem butters them up, makes them feel appreciated that they have done all the damage that could be done and move on to someone else but I would never pass these voices to anyone else. Sometimes I look into other people's eyes and I swear I see them. I try to pretend that they aren't the weakest part of me, that I'm somehow stronger than psychotic episodes. This is an ode to my voices in hopes that one day I can go to their funeral, see their headstone and leave a free woman. That's a dream I have. It happens almost every night. The voices don't appreciate my dreams, you see. They don't want to die, but make me the only green leaf left on the tree before winter. This is an ode to my voices. May they one day rest in peace or rest in hell. Either way, it's fine with me. So, Ode to My Voices was the first poem I had ever written about my psychotic episodes. I wanted to make the annoyance of the voices, the fear of the voices I had. um, I wanted to make that clear for someone who had never heard voices. I wanted to help them paint the picture of what it really feels like. um, The terrifying experience of a psychotic episode. My next poem is a poem I wrote about being in the waiting room at my therapist's office. I wonder what you think of me when you see me in the waiting room. My eyes catch yours like realizing we're in the same room, maybe for the same thing. You mumble to yourself knowing everyone can hear you, but you don't care. The zyprexa burns through my veins. I feel it in action like my body is no longer on fire but can still see the burning house. The first doctor comes out. Sally Struthers struggles to say she's okay. But it's not Sally Struthers, the big production time actress. My mind likes to relate everyone I meet to a celebrity. I love myself. I repeat in my head for the 73rd time this morning. Some mornings are harder than others. My doctor tells me self-affirmation quotes will help me get through this phase of hating myself. I call it a phase because sometimes I breathe in toxic waste from the dump down the street, convincing myself that is what I am made of. Sometimes I go through phases where I feel every person I've ever loved has forgotten me, has lost me, or us, or us at that time. My 7th grade crush told me I was beautiful and that was a phase I was going through where I refused to believe anything a significant other told me. They're biased. They're wrong. They just don't really know me. But then here I am in the same waiting room as you with your muddy sneakers implying you're ready to run out of this office or run out of problems or disorders or run out of recovery options run out of time in your life. I often create long made-up stories about strangers I see but don't know. I like to think we're somehow related in this strange world that we both feel so lost. Lost enough to see a therapist four times a week. Lost in your sadness. Lost in yourself. Lost. But I honestly don't know anything about you other than that your first name is James. And the first man I ever loved was named James. And it makes me wonder if he's come back for me in this alternate waiting room six years later. He's come back. He is sorry to report that he ever left, but he has never forgotten who I was or what we had. The doctor comes out and called for you. James? James, I'll see you tomorrow. Same time, same place. I had a lot of fun writing this next poem. I had a psychotic episode recently that made me believe my seventh grade crush was in danger. I know it sounds crazy, but these are true stories. I tried to make this next poem a little bit fun for what it was, so I hope you enjoy it. Let me obsess over a man I don't know anymore. Let me rewind to middle school, find out what his favorite color is, and ask him to go to the moon with me. I ask him how he's been since I haven't seen him in over 15 years. I apologize for sending a message out of the blue, but I tell him I'll explain why I'm asking. In my head, I repeat, I had a psychotic episode which led me to believe we were in love again. A reunited middle school romance. Naive but so precious as the silver necklace he got me in the 7th grade with my birthstone. I saved the necklace in a box which ended up becoming my infamous boyfriend box. Central California. I moved here a couple years ago, he says. Is it possible that the man in my delusions could be so far distantly and I realize he's very very far emotionally. In my unrealistic circles of the truth, we connected like I had never hurt him and he had never rejected me. We both fell into similar careers, trying to save the world. Neither of us had the secret when we dated in middle school, or in my mind. We were merely attached to what we knew to be true then. I was happy and he was happy and we both wanted to go to the school dance together. In Catholic school, the only thing everyone seemed to look forward to was all the slow dances the DJ would play. If you were lucky, and I was lucky, you had a boyfriend to dance with. Maddie McKechnie's fingertips barely touching my hips, leaving plenty of room for Jesus. I'm just curious, what made you contact me? I shake my head to get the innocent school dance image washed clean. Um, I don't know, honestly. Just thought of you and wanted to see if you were happy, you know. Happy, like capture the flag in middle school and talking on the home phone for merely ten minutes before both of our brothers started laughing at how immature our conversation was. Do you like peanut butter? Yes, but not on sandwiches, only on Oreos. Oh, I like that too, yep. Yep. I look at his Facebook page and see photographs of him and what I assume to be his now lover, and wish my heart could handle this delusional love story my disorder has created. It's shout out time! Boom, 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 boom! shout out to my seventh grade boyfriend maddie mcatchney thank you for answering my delusional questions when i messaged you a couple of weeks ago that's all for today folks you've been listening to my bipolar universe i'm moody bridge your favorite girl with bipolar disorder you can find me on instagram at moody bridge boutique or on facebook at moody bridge thanks for listening